On this episode, we recap an insane first weekend in the tournament. We go over the recent coaching changes. We welcome the founder of the creative talent agency, Kevin Tarka, and Ian has to buy a retriever. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode 21 of the Green Light Podcast. It's Paul and Ian back at it after an insane opening weekend to the tournament. We need a couple extra days to recover. That's why we're normally a Tuesday morning release, maybe a Monday morning release. Listen, when one of the co-hosts is a Virginia fan, and that happens. Mm. So what I said after, we got to rip the Band-Aid off. We just got to talk about it. We got to be done with it. Uh, The retriever has been ordered. Um, But... Listen, man. We I'll, I'll start. Um, no, I think I'll I think there are always overreactions. I think everyone needs to pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, no, Tony Bennett doesn't need to change his style. No, uh, they don't need to. They don't need to do too much different. I just have one suggestion. Yes, they need to recruit one guy every year that they normally wouldn't. So like. We always talked about if Virginia gets down, they don't really have the firepower to come back. They just don't play that way. And, you know, they're, they're, they're system guys, and everyone plays fantastic defense, and everyone can shoot, pass, score. Everyone's very good. But listen, man, if you need a bucket, like they don't have – and they've had guys in the past that, you know, they could pass to and, and they could do it. Um, but what I mean is, like, they need to be in the mix for a Bagley every now and again so that when – this happens, and they're down 15 to UMBC, and there's 12 minutes left that, okay, here's, here's our five-star All-American. Like, you got to go win us this game. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. If the, I think that's my no. only change for Bennett. I don't I, – I, listen, it's, it's and crazy. My, and my response to that, to hear what you is I think Virginia had that in DeAndre Hunter. Or was getting – it was almost to that point. Because he I was, know. yes and no. I get where, where you're saying he was the type of guy that I didn't think was going to be a big deal. I thought I said there were two things that was going to hurt Virginia by losing DeAndre Hunter. One was their zone offense because he would get the ball in the middle and was a multi. He had a, he was a, a multiple um, type of threat guy. Um, and then I also said flexibility defensively. He also is the guy that I thought you could have number one given to him. He could have gotten a bucket, and he also you could have put him on the Lyles kid. And you've got a six seven dude guarding him, and maybe mix it up. I agree with you. I think, um, yeah, I think yes and no. I've heard the argument um, that it was like, oh, Virginia, they need the guy. They have to have the guy. Well, our, Virginia two years ago had a first team All American and ACC Player of the Year in Malcolm Brogdon. There was NBA Rookie of the Year who was the guy, and even that didn't work out. So what they do? Sweet sixteen that year? That was um, Elite Eight. Lost uh, to Syracuse. Was one, yeah. That was um, that was Syracuse. Yeah. Um, and then, so I re- the thing that that's tough. Obviously, as a Virginia fan, is that obviously they went thirty-one and two in the regular season. Thirty-three games, they had the same identity. I think probably all forty minutes of every single game. Every single, even when they I lost, think, even think... when they lost to West Virginia, it was like you know what? It came to the last four minutes. But they still had their identity. They played yeah. the same way. Even Virginia Tech, like they lost in overtime at home to Virginia Tech. But like second half, they held them to 18. They still got their shots. They just it was a couple plays in the end. They never lost their identity. 
You can even say UMBC first half. They didn't necessarily lose their identity. They just didn't hit shots. And what happened, when I explained to everyone, is when you let a team that maybe might not have the most confidence hang around and think they have a shot, and then as soon as they come out of the second half and they start hitting shots, they hit their like an and one and a three, you give that team confidence and then you lose your identity, then all bets are off because I, I've never seen anything like what how they played in the second half. Yeah, I think that was the most surprising. Like I always tell people I don't usually get nervous until af- under the second half 12 media timeout. Yeah. So that's usually when I am like that's when I really get yeah. into a game because there's just so there's too much time. Nothing matters yet. Someone like, asked me matters. the same thing. They're like, when did you think it was serious? And I said like the eight minute media. Yeah. Because then I was like, all right, I thought between that 12 and 8 minute, like they'd cut it to single digits and then whittle away and then UMBC wouldn't be able to score anymore. Those, I think my biggest thing is Virginia looked shook. They did, man. Like it, 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 finally, it finally hit them where, holy shit, we may lose to a 16. And I think it rattled them to their core. No, it did. And it didn't help that like this group of guys, obviously, aside from Isaiah Wilkins and Devin Hall, like most of the guys, their only tournament experience last year was almost losing to in the first round to East Tennessee State and then also then getting smoked and scoring 37 points against Florida. So Kyle Guy and, Ty, yeah. and Kyle Guy, I'll give him credit. I think Kyle Guy played decent of all the players. But like Ty Jerome, a lot of these younger guys like Diakite and, and they their tournament experience was not like a team that Actually, Grayson Allen's been through the ringer four years now. Like this is his fourth year, so he knows what to expect. Not saying that he came in unprepared, but I think they got in there that point where it's like, wait, we're down double digits in the second half. What do we do? Yep. And my biggest problem, the whole thing that was the hardest thing to live with with this, is the all season Virginia played offense. They played five on five. Everyone it was a, they're 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 just moving and moving and moving five on five. For this game, second half game, they tried playing one on five. They thought they could hit a like ten point shot. They were looking for the home run that could get them back in the game. They were taking shots out of rhythm. They weren't playing the flow of the offense. And on defense, rather than playing, everyone says that Virginia plays five on one. All five guys are reacting to the one person with the ball. Virginia was just playing one on one, and then which is just not which is not them. And like these guys, honestly, like. Kyle Guy's not a great one-on-one defender. Ty Jerome's not the quickest point guard out there. Like these guys aren't, but it's the sum of all parts that makes him great. Yep. And that's when when those some when those parts fall off the tracks, it just unraveled. Um, so it's tough. Now our greatest loss of all time isn't Chaminade anymore. I know. Um, I know. The only thing. The only thing. And this last thing I will say about it. Obviously, as disappointing as it was, as much as I thought this was the best chance for Tony Ben to get to a Final Four. Um, the only thing that will really that could make it worse for me is one if Tony Bennett would for whatever reason decide to take this Milwaukee Bucks job that he's possibly rumored for. I don't think it would happen, but if he went out like this, that would be tough. And then two is just this is going to be a stamp, fair or unfair, on Virginia basketball when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to um, just the the label of Virginia basketball until either one, they make a final four, win a championship or two, another 16 beats a one until one of those two things happen. It's going to be Virginia is the one team that like, can't yeah. get it done. And, and so like that you, you, uh, you got to lay in the, the bed you make. And so like, obviously they don't have anybody to blame with themselves, but they, they're going to have to be prepared that like, 
that's going to be stamped on him at least for for a while. Yep. There's going to be some really funny signs uh, next year once the season starts. That's for sure. They bring um, a lot back though. I'll give them. They, they hope they I have know, a bright I was future. Looking at their recruiting class now, um, they got a kid from Australia coming in. Cody Statman, yeah, uh, shooter, they got a five nine guard from Cali. Um, I don't know Kia much Clark. Him. So that was yeah, kid was very Kia under Clark. under recruited. He was on uh, Oakland Soldier. He played very 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 well at. Yeah. Um, and I think they could be in the mix. They have they still have open scholarships. They could be in the mix for a grad transfer or a transfer because um, they obviously had three guys leave last year. They didn't fill all those scholarships. They gave one to a walk on mid season this year. So they could they have some flexibility to bring somebody in. Uh, they also had a kid, uh, Frankie Badocci, a kid from Italy that played in like Missouri that redshirted this year. Another wing guy, um, okay. but. I mean, so it's gonna the spots? core is gonna the core is gonna three be um, the core is gonna be it's gonna be Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome. DeAndre Hunter is gonna have to step in the starting lineup. Yep. Diakite and then Jack Salt's back for one last uh, one last run, and then the bench is where it's gonna it's their starters next year will be pretty proven pretty, guys. They've yep. been through they've been through the whole season, but now um, they did lose a, an assistant, um, but Tony Bennett hopefully will be back and hopefully so it's a good, that's put a, a sign better, of a very good program, though. You so can just you, put your you best. Want I mean, that we have, to be happening. We should have two more years of uh, of these guys that. Yeah. Um, oh, last point. Aye. Very last point, and this Aye. is all sides. We've spoken. The one thing, the only thing that pissed me off. Nobody that texts me like. People text me, call me. I took, I I shut my phone off. I didn't answer anybody until like 18 hours later. I wasn't Um, saying anything. The only thing that pissed me off, I watched the press conference after the game, and I told, I texted you about this. You did. Not friend of the program, Doug Doughty of the Roanoke Times Dispatch. Who, if you remember, probably around like episode like seven or eight, we talked about AP poll voters and their BS. Wait, like I think he was like voting for guys that just lost, and then not voting for guys that didn't that win. He had no. Re- he basically didn't pay any attention Has to like results to the pod. And we have invited him to the pod. He's written for the Rolling Times match like forty years. This dude has the nerve to go up there, Kyle the guy, and crying. Ty Drum sitting up there and goes, "Hey, Kyle, Ty, were, were you guys aware that a sixteen seed had never beaten a one seed before? And did you just kind of bypass that, or what was your thought process?" And I thought Kyle Guy, I mean, Ty Jerome had a perfect response. He just looked at him dead in the eyes. He was like, I think everyone knows that. Thanks for bringing it up again. But I'm pretty sure everyone was aware of that. And then he had a little slider mark his next uh. one. He was like, this whole season we've done a good job. We don't care what you guys say about us. We won't care moving forward. Basically, he kind of looked, still stared him down into his soul. But um, – you can make all the jokes you want. UMBC, Twitter, have at it. You, you like Virginia 16, whatever. But like, I don't. What's the point? What's what's the answer you want out of that? Here, we got to talk about UMBC's Twitter, man, because they you were went a too far. They were way too ready. Like, there's always. I'm a big Gary Vee guy, and so Gary Vee always talks about like missed opportunities uh, in social media and how you could uh, possibly, you know, capture a moment, whatever. They were like. I mean, is this a conspiracy? Was this always supposed to go down? <laughs> I mean, they I mean, they were tweeting every then Nevada won and they retweeted boom, Nevada. Boom, they had boom, the yeah. they were crushing everything. They were sending on out links to apply to UMBC, like graduate like uh, applications. I, mean, I get it, like it thought, like it's your moment, it like live crazy. it up. But it is pretty wild. I mean, they were very prepared and I mean props to UMBC. There's nothing else. they as Tony Bennett said, I mean, you step into the uh, step into the arena, anything can happen. Anything can happen, uh, man. They they loved it up. There's no better feeling than, and this, than this, that. And this, yeah, this certainly seems like the tournament uh, that anything can happen. Besides that, I mean, th- this is this is a standard tournament to me. Besides the 16 and the one, um, you know, maybe a few more upsets, but it's not crazy like everyone is saying. Like, no. like Arizona losing. I think I think 
forget the seeds. It's how they lost. Like if you guys lost at the buzzer, it's much different than losing the UMBC by twenty or by what was it? Yeah, it was by twenty. It was by, no, it was by twenty. Oh yeah, it was by twenty. Sorry. Um, it was about. It hovered around ten or twelve yeah, most of the second half, yeah. and then uh, they fouled and, and like, whatnot. But the other shocking one, obviously, is Buffalo, Arizona. Obviously, my bracket's done. Um, but that you're right though. Buffalo looked like the better team. They looked better. That's what's crazy. It's not that they won. It's how they won. Um, Loyal, like it's different. Loyal Chicago beats Miami by two. No one really is up in arms. That and we was, had yeah, that. That, that was, was like a, a great basketball game. Yeah. yeah, it was a projected upset. Um, you know, we had Nevada, Cincinnati win. Xavier gets through the first round, then loses to Florida State. And we sat along with like Nevada. I was like, you asked me like why I think Nevada over Cincinnati because they're deep and Cincinnati's defense guy. I was like, I just think Nevada can just get hot. And I, I literally your turned first, the game. I turned after the, the first half, it looked awful. And yeah, I, we turned the I said, I was sitting here, I was, it was a 22-point game. And I was already upset, whatever, from the night before with Virginia. I was like, do you, or still two days before, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, you want to watch a movie? I was like, you want to watch a movie? <laughs> so I literally turned off. So dejected. We watch a movie, and next thing you know, on the phone, it's blowing yeah. up. Nevada won by two. It's because yeah. they can get hot. And you like it's, the, that wasn't really a surprise. Like If you were surprised by Cincinnati not being able to like deliver, I mean... Do you know the only other team to come back from 22 points down in the NCAA it? tournament? It was Duke versus Arizona, Arizona. in the championship. championship. 0-1. Yeah. 0-1 championship. Um, Florida State, look, man, we talked about Coach Hamilton episodes ago at this point. But listen, he does it again, man. This Props is like a him, sneaky man. year. Like, he, no one had him beaten Xavier. That's, it's tough, man, because I really wanted to see the Xavier guys get to a Final Four. Yep. You got a bunch of seniors. I mean, Trayvon Blewett, J.P. McCura. And I thought they had it. I mean, like, last – like. Five minutes to go, and they kind of just unraveled. Makira got fouled out, and um, transition D kind of haunted them. They, yep. they couldn't stop. Florida State wanted to get out in transition. They did. Um, shout out to uh, my man Hamilton and shout out to Leonard Hamilton because like, they've underachieved like in recent years. Like last year, yep. they lost. They were in the opposite situation. Yes. Xavier smoked them, and then everyone's like, "Oh, they have no chance." And then now Boom. Florida State's in the Sweet Sixteen against Gonzaga. Like, yep. and then. Yep. Uh, I, you, you know, I had a fantastic day when Texas A&M smoked Carolina. That's the other thing. Like, is it completely shocking if UNC loses? I don't think too many people have. I actually had Providence beating them, so I was a little – I was right and wrong at the same time. But, I mean, UNC looked shook. Yeah. I mean, they they didn't even know how to play basketball. And Texas A&M's had all the talent all along. We've said from the beginning of yes, the year they that, like, so up their down. front court's probably might be the best front court in, in the country. And so they match up with Michigan coming up. The thing I've heard is, like, oh, their front court's just too good. I As bad as Michigan's played these past couple games, um, Michigan, I said the same argument when they went up against Purdue and Michigan State. It's like, oh, their front courts so of those two teams are too good. If Michigan find a way to make it a small ball game yeah. and play away, I think – that's a very, very int- – that's probably one I know, of the more intriguing matchups really, really of, um, of, of the weekend. That's going to um, be really fun. I, I think Gonzaga gets by Florida State, and I do have Michigan to go to the Elite Eight. Um, is this the easiest path that Kentucky could have ever imagined? So if you – so obviously – and this has been – I think everyone's talked about this. Cal – before, like on selection Sunday, we're the all, youngest like, team. team. But he's like, I have all these guys text me. You guys got he didn't he didn't outright complain, but he basically was like, he's such a everyone good else told me I should be complaining I right now, and I'm not doing it. But like everyone said, oh, you guys got the toughest draw oh. because if you look at it, Davidson was the hottest 12 seed coming in that a lot of people picked, yeah. and then arguably match up with the path should have been Arizona, Virginia, Cincinnati possibly Xavier and then Villanova or like that was like yeah, their yeah, yeah. that was like a murderer's row if they had to go through it instead 
They beat Davidson, which was a solid one. They snuck yeah, out no, by like five points. Win. Then they get to they play Buffalo, which credit to Buffalo. Buffalo's yeah. a great team, Coach but they still yeah. won by twenty points. Yep. Now they get Kansas State in Atlanta, where it's I even said if Virginia was in it, I think it would have been a home game for Kentucky. Yep. Like Atlanta, like they'll travel as well as anybody. And then on the other side of that, it's the winner of Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada, which both teams have played exceptionally. But that's a cakewalk to yeah. get to your Final Four. And then on that side of the bracket, you're getting one of either A&M, who they've already played in the SEC, Florida State a nine seed, Gonzaga's a four, and Michigan's a three to I get mean, to a national title. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever first, seen it. It's the first time that not one of the top four seeds have advanced, ever. So right now it's a 9-5 and an 11-7. So not ever in the history of the tournament has not one of the top four seeds advanced, which and is then just they're, And that's the thing. And to get to the title, they're on the opposite side of both Villanova, Kansas, like Duke. Yeah, they don't have like yeah, they're, they're they're all in the other. each other. Exactly. So, so like they don't have one, one of those three teams that are looking very, very solid right now aren't going to – they aren't going to play them until they get to the title game if they get there. So Listen, is, is Izzo's magic done? I – no, I know. No, it's a ridiculous question. It's not, I get it. but like I don't understand how you can't prepare your team to play against a zone defense. Three years in a row, can't get to the Sweet 16. Crazy, um, you know, it's crazy. It's it's the framework, not the fra- wrong word, but like the perception of when coaches can lose and when they can win. And like like we just said, like Coach Hamilton, like he overachieved. So, you know, he's good. Like if he loses, no one cares. Um, yeah, Sweet 16. I think, you know, Izzo yeah. may have cursed himself with winning so early. You know, that was in like year four five maybe of, of him being at Michigan State he gets a championship and now he's just expected to do that all the time um listen this is this is what two years ago in 2016 yeah when Syracuse did the exact same thing they were the yeah. last one to make it they go to the sweet 16 yeah. no one picks them they go up against Virginia um, they put a press on they're down 15 with 10 minutes to go they put a press on and make it to the final four I I fundamentally have no idea how they're doing this besides just the zone bothers people yeah. and you just kind of fall into this like it's almost like you're sleeping like yeah. you just like you just it's the same because thing every get, time same thing every time because in basketball like you you as effective as the same play can be right away like say for example like you're you're purdue and say Haas is healthy and you're just giving him the ball in the post and going right hook right hook right hook say he's six for six there's going to be a point where the other guys in the team, as unselfish they might be, you're like, hey, like maybe we can just like bounce outside once. Maybe we don't have to get to him. Because you get bored. As, as effective as something might be, you got to get bored of it as a player. If, especially with a team that, I mean, with that, is a, I don't want to say they're not the most experienced team. They have a bunch of young guys. And it's same with a zone. I mean, you need the way to beat a zone. You go... Obviously, you put you put someone in high post. You should put Jaron Jackson. Should beat the zone so every that's, time. So that's the thing short that corner. I want to you have a guy about. going short I, corner, yeah. but it gets boring. I guess their like, their rotations were all out of whack. They were playing guys in positions I didn't understand, and we're net we're never people to really criticize coaches on this uh, podcast, especially not Tom Izzo. I don't think you'll ever hear that from, from us, yeah. but. It was very uh, confusing what he was doing and, and the strategy to it. And like you said, like, have you never seen the zone before? Like, you have a guy – like, just put Jaron Jackson in the middle. Just put him in the middle. That's it. That's all you got to do. Everything else should take care of itself. Like, the guy Miles should be able Bridges to – Miles Bridges slashing to, like, back – like, yeah. put him in a short corner or put, like, any – like, there's so many possibilities that it's, like – I know are being like armchair coaches right now, yeah, but like it's easy it's, to talk about it now. I feel like the zone offense, like I remember in high school basketball, we played team that played zone, and it's like as simple as it is to break down. It's just like 
it, it is really that simple, man. Yeah, and you like just you kind of get into this like move, move, move the ball, and then moving. all of a sudden there's ten seconds left and you're taking a bad three. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy Beheim, man, I, I he does it again. Props to him. Um, the other one that was right above it. Um, again, is it shocking that Clemson beats Auburn? Of course not. Is it crazy that they beat them by twenty plus points? Yes. How did that happen? Is Bre- like eighty four fifty three. I mean, they crushed. You're like forty points. Crushed them, and so I. I Listen, Coach Brownell is he he's definitely getting a contract extension at this point. Oh, no doubt, it's it's man. a done deal. Um, no doubt, I mean, man. God forbid he beats Kansas. He better get a he better get a four year deal because right now he's done. I don't think he has one year. This is last, this year. Is last year. I think you add three years onto this. It, yeah, you got to give him another sweet three. sixteen. Add three Ooh. years on and um, see what he can do. I don't but, know. I think they lose a lot after this year. I'm not sure exactly what they have coming yeah, back. Yeah, now but then, and it's certainly not easy to recruit when you have none. Like, what are you going to say to a recruit? Well, I'm not sure if I'm back, but hopefully you come. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's probably in a really tough spot. Top of the bracket in the east on that side. Villanova's had a cakewalk so far. I yeah, I think this was the most easy bracket to predict. Yeah. Not maybe I, not had, predict I mean, but. Wichita State, I ho- I thought they'd be able to. I mean, yeah, Marshall I mean, got Marshall, hot. Marshall, um, It's going to be really interesting to see Javon Carter versus Jalen Brunson. And the thing, I, st- but the th- I think maybe West Virginia, if this was like a second game of a weekend and Villanova had less time to prep for it, I think Villanova could come out on top. I mean, West Virginia could come out on top. I think Jay Wright is just like this whole week is going to have these dudes prepared enough that they're going to be able to walk through easily. I don't say easily sounds bad, but Texas Tech, I mean, props to them. I think a lot of people kind of doubted them a little bit going in. They, they had a scare against Stephen F. Austin. They play Purdue. Yep. You're going to see how now, Purdue— Now, my thing with—I mean, did you see now that— it's, the, it's been chalk, essentially, in that bracket, other yeah, than Marshall. It has. Um, it really was. It was all chalk. Did you see, obviously, uh, Isaac Haas breaks his elbow. He's, he's not able to play. The NCAA says that he can't play with the current brace because it doesn't match, like, in-game protocol. Some, some NCAA thing. Who knows? But now the engineering school at Purdue— is trying, trying to create to something that is allowed to play. I love it. Um, I, I hope they figure it out. Obviously, I don't know how he's going to play. You can't shoot free throws. I, yeah, he was out there for it. Dude, he can't shoot free throws. So like if you're Maybe a big, he's just screening. Maybe he's trying to grab a rebound. I don't know what he's trying to do. I can see like Hackahas getting yeah. in there. It's like, <laughs> yes. dude, if he even touches the ball, like foul. what's even the point? Just foul him because that's a free possession if he can't make yeah, anything. Anyway, I, I, so I don't... It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think I have Texas Tech beating them without Haas, but... Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, here's a, here's a question: Who of the coaches remaining? I think this is a relatively easy answer. Of of the blue bloods, we're not talking about Loyola Chicago or Nevada, but of the blue bloods left, who of what coach winning a championship changes his image the most? So, like Coach K, changes no. the most. Yeah, like just significantly either ups. I or got not, two I, answers. I got okay on three. We'll say it. One, two, Mark, three, Gonzaga. Mark yeah, yeah, there you there go. Go. yeah, it has to be him, right? I, I was, mean, mine's a tie though. Mine's between Mark Few and John Beeline because yeah, John Beeline hasn't. He's gotten to the title game. They obviously lost to Louisville. Um, it would be pretty ironic if Louisville gets theirs taken away and they win a national, and then Michigan wins a national title. Um, yeah, after, after the same being year. given. But one. I think Mark Few, yeah, like Mark Few got over the hump by getting to a Final Four last year, and I think that puts him like saint. Like he and Beeline are now kind of almost in the same conversation, but. Especially to, to get back and then actually win one and get a title. And I, um, listen, Huggins too, man. Like, and you know, Huggins, he doesn't man. have one. I mean, he's always he in the mix, always yeah. Sweet 16, They're sometimes Elite Eight. You know, like he, he – I and mean, honestly, obviously if Coach Cal makes this, I was going mean, to say geez. too, like Cal, as much as like I don't think anything would do for K's legacy, Bayhaw's legacy, 
Cali. Even Although only, Bayheim, Bayheim, yes, it would it because could. he got. I mean, remember, like we're six years, five years. Yeah, 2012, they got in that massive scandal. I yeah. mean, we're now we're like Bayheim. It's almost like on his second act. Yeah, you know, and, I and think, then if he gets one from, I mean, it'd be. I think it'd be the longest. I gap. think it'd be huge for Cal, just especially because. Obviously, the Anthony Davis, my okay girl, Chris team is one thing, but to do it with this, this very, squad, very young yeah. team, no matter the route they take, like there are Kentucky fans that, like, when they were unranked out of the at one point in the season this year, they were like, Cal should have had at least one more than one championship <laughs> by now. Like, they're unhappy with what he's done with the program, and like, yep. he should have had an undefeated season, and he should have had this and should have that. Like, I think another title for Cal is like. It show, I think he gets undervalued almost as a as a coach at point, some points. Yep. Um, everyone just thinks he's just a recruiter. But yep. if you've got a couple national championships, especially with the group they have. And also, if you haven't watched it, I don't even know if you've been watching this. What? There's a show on Facebook um, about the Kentucky men's basketball team. It's Ooh. basically followed them all season. Right now, they're at the point. The last episode, it's like all access. It's called like Behind the Madness, All Access with Kentucky Basketball. That's they're mic'd cool. up in all their practices. They have features on us. The last episode is essentially when they beat – they had just dropped out of the top 25 and they beat West Virginia. It's really, 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 really well produced. Um, and it almost has me – I don't like Kentucky, but it's like yeah, you I want to see them get you, to the Final Four because yeah. I want to see that behind-the-scenes thing of it. It's got Kenny Payne's mic'd up a lot. It's it's a pretty cool inside look. Yep. Um, well, that's essentially that was the first weekend looking that's forward. It, man. That's it. My um, doobies are still alive. Uh, let's Duke's let's looking ju- strong. Yeah, they look really good. Uh, it was an easy first weekend for them. Um, let's jump into some coaching changes, and then we'll bring on our boy Kevin Tarka. But the one thing, obviously, the, I think the biggest two are Tom Crean and Penny Hardaway. So Penny Hardaway, I, th- I thought this article on ESPN was super interesting. But two things: one, Penny Hardaway got a three-year deal. Um, which is just insane. Usual but bring up man. your – I think it was an interview. A yeah. Co- was it a couple of years ago? So shout out Jackie Goldner, former crossover uh, marketing queen, um, slash now works at Flow, <laughs> Flow Hoops. Um, she did an interview I think like a, a summer or two ago that essentially um, Penny Hardaway with Team Penny um, had this plan with – they had a former coach that passed away and they, his name is Dez. They do – everything's do it for Dez, do it for Dez. And so Dez had this vision of we're going to take these kids from sixth grade all the way through middle school and then get to high school with them. We're going to win three state championships in high school with these kids and then we're going to go to college with them. So like this was always a plan. I don't know if Memphis this was always the plan because they gave Tubby Smith a bunch of years to, like two years ago. But his plan, he said, it was always – basically land a college gig when is when these kids this core group of guys um is ready to graduate mm-hmm. i mean they already just now uh alex lomax who is a four-star guard who's committed signed letter of intent to wichita state which is in the american with memphis was shout out to um greg marshall for being like a good dude and letting this happen let him out of his letter of intent to go play for penny because his high school coach pretty well um so alex lomax just finished his high school career with pennies he basically got let out of wichita state to go play for him um, they also have, I think they have a, they have a top kid in the 2019 class or sorry, 2020, and they have three other four-star kids all at Memphis East that all play for Team Penny. So essentially, Memphis is banking on bringing all those kids to play. I think that three-year deal can go one of two ways. One, he has awful agents that didn't use any of his leverage at all, Ooh. or two, or maybe he really doesn't have, maybe he doesn't have the full vision of staying at Memphis past these like three years and doesn't want a huge buyout in there because maybe he wants to jump to the pros and take these guys or like 
who knows? Who knows? Who knows what his vision is? I it's uh, it is interesting that like it's only a three year deal because I think you're going to see these other big jobs. I think whoever gets the Louisville job is going to, or whoever gets Pittsburgh is going to get like six or seven. Yeah, they need it. They need it because that's so, that's a that's a disaster right now. So this ESPN article breaks down the history of former NBA stars uh, stepping in to be head coaches at colleges. So. It's not a great picture, but we'll run it down. So Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, he went 15-15. and 15. It's entirely too early to tell, but in my opinion, he did a great job his first year. Yep. Chris Mullen, St. John's, he's 38-60 and 60 right now. Doesn't look great. Uh, Danny Manning at Wake Forest. Solid first year. Yeah, this I, year, like, they took a step back, but they weren't like yeah, – they, they had some slips, but they I'm totally all, okay with Danny I think Danny Manning is 92 and 102. I, yeah, I think, but I think that's good. I think he's totally okay. Um, Avery Johnson at Alabama, he's fifty six and forty five. Like I think that I getting think though, good recruits. Next, he is getting good recruits. Next year, I think he needs to find, he needs to go to another NCAA. He can't okay. fall out of it. Yeah, just, just because he loses in. Colin Sexton. Now John yeah. Petty's awesome. He's had good recruits. Now it's like you got to keep these guys rolling. You can't just have one good year with Colin Sexton, win a tournament game, and then be good. I think with them, they probably should have a little bit higher expectations in the in the SEC. Yeah, I get that. The next one, Terry Porter at Portland. He's 21 and 44. Not great. Uh, Damon Stoudemire at Pacific. He's 25 and 40. Not great. Danielle Marshall at Central Connecticut, 20 and 41. 14, 14 games this year, up yeah. from six last year. Yeah. So but they're still a bottom 50 team in the country. It's Yeah, it's not great. And now this one's a little weird. Dan Marley at Grand Canyon. Uh, he's 103 and 57. So he's by far has the uh, highest winning percentage. And dude, I'm telling you, man, once. He if Arizona does open up, he's going to be a serious like consideration yeah. for that because They're, if you haven't seen like what's going on at Grand Canyon, yeah. he's helped build one of the coolest environments and the coolest programs in college basketball. Mm-hmm. They pack the gym; they're all rocking purple. It's loud, the and antelopes. then he's brought he's brought a kid, and obviously <laughs> he's a huge name in Arizona. I think one of these West Coast jobs that eventually opens up when he's ready to take it, I think he will. Um, but what he's done at Grand Canyon obviously is 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 pretty cool. They have a ton of money backing him too, but he um, he's probably had the most success easily. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Mike Dunleavy Sr. at Tulane is 20-42. and 42. Um, They did win 14 games after six games his first year, so similar to Daniel Marshall. Uh, not enough Former time. ones, but yeah. former ones were like Isaiah Thomas, who sucked. Clyde Drexler was even worse. Reggie Theus literally just got fired and also got in a fight Mark. with the AD, and the AD got fired the day after. Crazy story with that. And then Mark Price was fired in the middle of the season yeah. um, at Charlotte. So, like, there's it's, not a ton of success with uh, these guys. Not a ton, I think man. you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. I think it's, like, it's different, but the numbers aren't really – I mean, I don't think any of those guys had were coaching – basically five top 100 recruits that they were going to essentially bring with them yeah so i think i think they all stepped into pretty like they, georgetown yeah. wasn't a good situation to step into at least and yeah yeah i think it's a lot different um you know living in memphis going he had gone to memphis now he created now he does, a U team in memphis and now he is going to have to put together a big time staff though to help course. him like the that's, larry that's brown huge. thing is so weird that me, would be man. dumb um, i know people are like oh no it'll help i I don't know, man. Like he, Larry Brown, everywhere he goes in the NCAA, the other big he one, leaves, though, and then it's just sanctions. It's the, like yeah. The other big one. What are your thoughts on Tom Crean? Because I think it kind of surprised a lot of people because it was Indiana and Marquette. You get a Midwest guy. It's kind of a little out there. Uh, so a little different this guy. Is, but so this is a 
going it's, to oh, Georgia. It's a good, it's a, yeah, it's a good um, topic. So I think if you, if you get hired out of your uh, region, region, then your first initial staff has to like hold your hand through that first couple yep. years, right? Like you got to hire two out of your three assistants. Now, maybe you bring your guy, whoever he is, doesn't matter. And then you hire two Southeast uh, recruiters, whoever it is. Go get one from Georgia State. Yep. Go get one from, um, you know, Georgia Tech, whatever. I don't, it doesn't yeah. matter. But go get two guys from that region White that, good, that have relationships that coaches will send players to. Um, you got to do that, at least initially to kind of, soften the blow about not you know because we talked about it a couple episodes ago that you know they they wanted a a guy they wanted a guy from either georgia or the south or whatever i think with tom crean if you get if you have the chance to get a guy who has won at, at marquette and has he did okay at indiana not great but did okay um you go get him he has one my only worry and last point i'll have on, on tom crean because i've wanted to say this on the podcast for a while hey um you can actually look this up it's an actual legit quote from kyle guy so kyle guy was a mcdonald's all-american oh, top yeah. 25 recruit from indiana his grandparents are season ticket holders in indiana he's like an uncle or someone who is on like the was on like the board of directors and basically someone asked like why didn't you go to indiana and he was like honestly like i just didn't get a good vibe from coach crane he was like i didn't think that he could be the father figure that i was looking for he was i found that in coach bennett odd enough odd enough with tony bennett you talk about like a guy that wasn't in his region tony bennett's from milwaukee from wisconsin mm-hmm. his first coaching job was at washington state and he came to virginia yeah so like, and listen, like so it, it can be done add, it can yeah. be done like yeah. obviously he came and brought joe harris from washington to virginia that helped ignite the program akil mitchell was from north carolina malcolm brogdon's from georgia yeah. there's rarely been any justin anderson's like the only virginia guy in Tony Bennett's time like we, we it can be done that. yeah there's so be done. many good players now with georgia there. there is a hotbed of high school talent yeah, down you got to be able to poach so i georgia think it'd be guys. smart to hire a guy like you can pull like Sharman white away from georgia state a guy that's very well connected mm-hmm. um lastly though danny hurley we don't know what he's going to do pitts out there yukon's out there he could stay I at actually URI. Heard Lou, Lou, yeah louisville may make a and run if it's not chris mack and then i, I was lastly it was chris mack and my last question to you as we wrap up if you're a Chris Mack, do you stay at Xavier or do you stay at Louisville? Uh, it's Xavier all the way. Um, I think they're both top ten jobs. I think I think the grass is not always greener. I think he has everything set up uh, in his favor at Xavier. He doesn't have to rebuild anything. He's crushed. I mean, besides losing to Florida State just a couple days ago. But, I mean, listen, he's good, man. Just just stay where you're at. He, I mean, One question. Do you know how much he makes at Xavier? Because this is an interesting okay, thing that so, caught me off board. They caught a lot yeah, of people off guard. but you live in Cincinnati, Ohio, man. It's like yeah, it's but, cheap to but, live there. But I'll, I mean, not that Louisville's I'll expensive. Xavier's going to have to keep a move to keep make a move to keep him anyways. Because guess what his salary is? Um, two point three a year. Chris Max at one point six. Oh, and he's not the highest paid coach in Cincinnati. Yeah, Mick Cronin's at two point two. Yeah, so match. So that. that's the thing. The thing is, they have obviously he's a Xavier lifer. He went to Saint, like went to Saint Xavier High School in Cincinnati. He grew up there. He went to college there. He's an assistant there. He's a Xavier lifer. So they have that going for him. But in the, the day, if Louisville's Louisville's type of school that will throw five, yeah, yeah. five six million at him. It. They'll throw. So Xavier, you got the money. You don't you don't finish football. Just throw your money at him. Keep him. Keep there. him forever. Give him a ten year um, deal. Shoot, then Travis Steele can go and coach somewhere else. They, yes. That's that like. Xavier pumps out coaches everywhere they want. Yep. It's not a big deal. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think next three or four days, even before – I think before we get to the Final Four, those those uh, jobs will be 
set and then the rest of things will kind of spiral and we'll see like yeah. what else opens up and it'll be interesting to see but without further ado without further ado yeah, Mr. Kevin Tarka. Oh, yeah, without Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're bringing Kevin on. Uh, Kevin is the founder of uh, Creative Talent Agency, and um, we'll be good to go. Here you go, Kev. All right, we are now joined by Kevin Tarka, the founder and CEO of Creation Talent Agency. Kevin, what is up, my man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. We are uh, live from Long Island City in a snowy, snowy day, and I know you're in New York, and uh, you're you're one of the hardest workers uh, I've ever met. So good for you for being the only guy in the WeWork, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. It's it's been a long time coming to finally get on the infamous Greenlight Podcast. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I don't know if episode it's episode twenty one. Episode twenty one, man. I don't know if it's infamous, Let's but go, I. Man. I know, I know. Um, So I actually, you know, and and I'll have uh, you tell your story, but I had the pleasure of meeting you um, when I was at Kennesaw State for the worst year of my life, and you were at the Gazelle Group, and you put us in the worst tournament ever, which is all your fault, and we got smoked by Illinois, and then we had to fly out to California, then we had to, I mean, it was awful, my man, so I'm, I'm actually shocked we're still friends. Yes, yes. Apologies on that. Uh, I can't take credit for the scheduling, but I will take credit for, uh, for, for locking you guys into the tournament, for sure. Um, it's, it's funny you said that when you called. Um, I just noticed the first time. Um, maybe you should call me more often, but the, underneath your name, it said uh, KSU. I still have that in there. So oh, you're still under the Gazelle delete, group. I guess I'll have to delete that. Oh, yeah, no, you're still under Gazelle. I got to change it, too. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. Nice. But, nice. But yeah, man, for the people who don't know, uh, you know, your story and your background, give them a little uh, uh, bit on your come up. For sure. For sure. So I'll try and give a, a, a brief summary. I am known to talk a lot, so just tell me to shut up if I'm going too long. But um, so I, I went to Quinnipiac University for undergrad. I, I was a walk-on on the team for four years. Um, some of the best years of my life, amazing community, amazing, amazing education. And obviously the basketball piece was, um, a a major piece of, um, of my life that kind of shaped me into, into what I got into today. Um, I got a double major in finance and economics and I always tell people it makes me sound a lot smarter than I am. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I just promised myself that, um, after the season, my senior year, I'm like, I really don't know what I want to do, but I'm, I'm going to wake up every day and absolutely love it. Um, because waking up and just not wanting to go to work or not wanting to do something is, is an actual nightmare of, of mine. So, um, Oh, terrible, terrible. So uh, it's unfortunate how many people kind of go through that uh, in life. But um, anyways, um, so the first the first job that I was able to, to get out of school was at obviously Gazelle Group. So that was a, a great first job for me. It really um, gave me some exposure to the sports industry in general. Um, I was able to kind of stay in touch with athletic directors and college coaches and got a little bit of uh, experience in, in sales and sponsorship and event management. Um, so I did that for three years, and it was, uh, again, it was a, a really um, amazing first step, uh, if you will. And then I kind of came to that point about three years later that, um, you know, I kind of just had this gut feeling. Um, I, I was actually flying back from L.A. from, um, from one of the – 
uh, from a sales meeting, and I, I'm not sure if it was uh, the drink that I had on the plane or what, but I was just I had this gut feeling that I was leaving a place that I wasn't supposed to be leaving, which was kind of weird. Um, so then I ended up parting ways with Gazelle Group, um, and I really wanted to get into, instead of event management, more of athlete management. And that's kind of what got me um, onto the, the agent side, which has been always a dream. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get into it. Um, so after that, I, I uh, took a little trip over to Southeast Asia to kind of clear my mind. That's a story for another time. And then I packed <laughs> the car and drove out, to, drove out to L.A. and did the whole agency thing and you know, the grind it out thing and, you know, work side jobs when necessary. And just, I, I really just wanted exposure to, to that world, you know? So, um, I really wanted to learn as much as I can and meet as many people as I can. So, um, I was fortunate enough to, to work with a company that I kind of did a little bit of everything. You know, I watched some film, I tried to, you know, make connections for recruits. I did a little bit of analyzing stats. I showed up places to pick people up and really anything I could do to learn. Um, so that was like that next step. And, after about um, almost a year and a half, uh, not quite a year and a half of living in L.A., um, working with them, I had the opportunity to go um, get a master's degree in Europe that was run by the EuroLeague. So if people are, some people are unfamiliar with the EuroLeague. It's basically the NBA of Europe. Um, and for me, that was a no-brainer. Quite frankly, um, as great as it, as it is to have a master's degree, uh, it's just a label. And I, wasn't, I was more interested in just getting over there and building relationships and um, that was probably the best like seven months of my life because last and, and this was last year. So I was really just living out of a suitcase and I was able to do some of the, the coursework online and then meet in person when we needed to and um, just hit about 20 countries and went to as many games as I could, knocking on doors, just trying to learn the, the, the market and immerse myself in the culture. And, um, you know, we can get into this later, but I know you, you guys know it's a very different culture of basketball over in Europe mm -hmm. um, than it is here, just from a young age and, and, and AAU over here all the way to, to over there. And, you know, you have these club teams and academy teams and just very different. So that was a, a great opportunity for me to build relationships um, and then when I came back last summer kind of trying to wrap up here this this rant um, I was hoping to join a, a bigger agency and really just continue to learn because um, like most things in life um, when you're 26 years old you still have lots to learn for the rest of your life so I was hoping to really find that that agency or that that agent or that person that I can learn from they can take me under their wing but at the same time um, really utilize the relationships I built. Um, so it was kind of unfortunate timing, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I'm sure we'll get into this later. But as I was trying to find that right thing, it was around August timeframe, September, when the whole FBI investigation broke out. And I, I didn't really find anyone I trusted. And I kind of just I talked to some agencies and they weren't really feeling it. And I was like, you know what, I can either sit here and cry about it or, you know, I can just continue to double and triple down on myself. And that's when uh, Creation Talent Agency was, was born. So that kind of brings me to where I am today. And it's, uh, it's a new day every day and there's no formula. And it's, uh, it's a fun journey, man. It really is. Yeah, man, we're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna ask you about, um, you know, the the differences between. And, and we talked about this earlier today. Like trying to go work for CAA or um, the now defunct ASM, uh, working for one of them, and and trying to uh, build your career through that versus starting your own, and and the unique challenges that you would face. You know, on uh, on both sides. But I mean, so you just started 
KTA, um, and I know you and I spoke about this, but so you're going through your first round right now uh, trying to sign some players. How hard is it to sign a player when you've never signed a player? It's kind of like a catch-22. It's like, no, no, I'm going to be good yeah. at this, but you've never done it. Yeah, I mean, uh, to answer the question, it's, it's, um, it's very difficult. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out ways to do it now. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because there's, there's no formula. Like, if you ask an agent, uh, if you ask 10 different agents, um, you know, what their formula is, they'll probably give you 10 different responses, mm-hmm. um, some of which, unfortunately, were, were responses that, um, you know, ended, ended with their, their presence in jail. Um, but, you know, there, there's no formula to recruiting a kid. And um, it's, it's been a challenge because, yes, I, sure, I have some experience. Um, but I don't, I've never done it personally. Like I don't have, I don't have any clients that, you know, a, a lot of good questions that I, that I even tell kids I talk to that they should be asking agencies like, look, you know, ask them who they've signed, ask them where they've placed them, ask them, you know, wh- what other, what other players they're recruiting in the same position. And, and there's a lot of questions that they should ask that just to kind of gain their, um, trust in the, in that agent's experience, but also really judge, judge them as a person, um, I guess I shouldn't say judge, but really just get get to know them better and their character. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, that that really hurts because it's difficult to convince a kid. Like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can to get you a job, and I'm gonna bust my ass. And okay, well, I'll be the first to tell you that you know the hard work only goes so far. You know, you, you have to be able to kind of show results. So with that being said, I think I can make up for a little bit in the fact that I've been boots on the ground over in Europe and I've built some of those relationships. You know, that doesn't mean that I can pick up the phone and, and, and the kids guarantee the contract, but, you know, I can tell you that there's not another American agent that does that. Um, I know there are some that, that, that go over there and some great guys that, you know, that I know that are agents that, that go over there and visit clients, but, you know, not, not that go over there for seven months and live out of yeah. a suitcase and just Seriously. kind of wing it. So, I, I don't know, man. There's, there's no formula. I've been, it's really, you know, any way you can get a hold of a kid or, or, or you know, if you can. If you, I'm lucky because I'm a little bit younger than, than most agents. So like I'm kind of, I'm only five years out of school. So either myself or some of my teammates or, um, you know, whoever it may be, I, I play with some of these guys or I, you know, my teammates have played with them. So that's a little bit easier. And, you know, I've been able to be lucky enough to have a network of coaches that I can kind of, you know, pick their brains and see how I can help them. And, um, that, that, that's really been it, man. It's just trying to, trying to give and help as much as I can because that's that's the position I'm in you know I can't really expect a lot um, until I have leverage to do that and hopefully someday I will but yeah right now it's just it's just uh, every day is a new thing if I can help if I can help someone great if not then I'm, I'm learning from it and, and just hopefully hopefully I get a little bit of luck to, to add into the um, the hard work you know that, mm-hmm. that, that's definitely what everyone needs definitely and uh, and kind of move on from that someone that that didn't get a, a ton of luck. That actually got probably the worst luck imaginable. Um, we, we mentioned earlier, but um, ASM, um, Andy Miller, and, and uh, Christian Dawkins. Obviously, it, it, you have to be living under a rock to not know how that's kind of shaken up college basketball. From your background, obviously knowing the ins and outs of agency life, and and obviously where you want to go. What are your thoughts on that situation, and kind of what went down, and what led that to be such a catastrophe? Sure. I mean, I, I, for, first of all, it's it's pretty. Uh, I mean, it's sad to be honest. That's kind of what I yeah. I, I go to. Like, it's sad on on, on all fronts. Um, you know, I think um, just the way that the 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 
business is set up, um, and yes, it's considered a business, which is another another sad point. Um, it's just there's too many hands involved and too many people and too much money involved for for it to really fix itself. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But it, it's 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 sad, man, because. Um, even I'm sure some of the guys that were involved with this, um, they're not, they might not be really bad guys. Um, some of them might be, but some of them might've just been, you know, working to try and, I don't know, try and give a kid what he deserves. Um, whether he's rightfully so or not, it's, it's against the rules. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, people, people, like you said before, you have to kind of live, live under a rock to, to, to be completely shocked about this. Like it's been happening for several years, like maybe even 15 years, like when the shoe company started getting into the business. Um, like there's, there's just money that's being transferred and promises being made and rules being broken. I mean, I think, Kev, I think my, I think my big thing is like, why was it just Andy Miller? Like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not the only people doing this. I mean, yeah. Like, look, I'm I'm not sitting here saying like I know <laughs> someone, I know a name of someone doing it um, because I don't. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that it does go on. You know, like it's easy for it's probably easy, generally speaking, for a big company to say, look, like you know, let's let's promise you. Uh, X amount of money, and then once you sign with us, we'll make sure you get it as like an upfront or a loan. Or I don't know. There's there's so many different loopholes and ways to think you're getting around it, but it's still against the law. And it, it all, I mean, it all intertwines with each other with the NCAA rules and and the and the you know player agent regulations and the fact that that agents can't um, like players can't really you know get insight per se, from, from an agent while they're in school, it just makes it that much worse because why are you putting a kid in that situation, you know, when they graduate to have so much stress and having their arms and legs being pulled in 12 different directions in three weeks, they have to make a decision. At less than three weeks if they're going to some of these invitational stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy, it's a crazy way to do it. And, and I don't, I, I have a couple ideas, but I don't know if you can fix it. I mean, I think there's some things they could do to make it better. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's, you're probably the perfect guy to talk to about it because you play, you were a student athlete and I, you know, I, I didn't air quote that. I do mean that sincerely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also spent a, over a year, uh, obviously getting your master's and, you know, studying the Euro league and, and how they do it. And I mean, in, in, I mean, in my opinion, they do it better than from from six years old to eighteen. I mean, Europeans are so much further ahead in youth sports and professional sports and amateur sports than we are. I mean, we play five different versions of basketball. I mean, we have the NBA, we have college basketball, we have high school basketball. No shot clock. We got middle school bat. Now the USA just released uh, USA basketball just released new guidelines that no one's going to adhere to that basically say don't play zone. I mean. In, in in Europe, they they all play the same. It's all a level playing field. And I think what I've liked and is that it's it's kind of like straight up over there. Like, listen, if you're good, we'll pay you. If you don't perform, we don't pay you. Like, I don't know. I mean, how can we get it there? Oh man, that's, I know that was loaded. Uh, it was a loaded. Great question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just it's it's hard. I think it's hard to answer that just because it's such a different culture. Like, for example, you know, if you're in, um, you know, if you're in a in a Eastern European country, like if you're in Serbia and you're really good at basketball, um, 
you know, most likely, you know, that Serbia has a couple of really, really good teams in Belgrade. One of them um, being in the EuroLeague. But you know, if you're really, if you're the best of the best, they're gonna they're gonna know who you are when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. So they're gonna they're gonna invest in you and make sure they you know you come to their academy or their you know their program and kind of come up the system, right? So they can develop you. And if you're also good and maybe not as good as those guys, you're gonna be you know, recruited to, um, uh, an, an academy, um, you know, in Italy or even another club that has an academy at that age, the 14, 13, 14 year old, 15 year old time frame where they bring you in, they make sure you get your schooling done, but you're, you know, you're there to develop as a basketball player and they invest in you, giving you, you know, that scholarship. Um, I mean, basically it is a scholarship that they'll bring you in on because they pay for, you know, your housing and they make sure you get your education and, you're able to kind of develop in their system. So it's so different. And then, you know, and, and then you turn pro when you're, you know, officially 18, you can sign that, that, that contract. And it's just so different. So here you're, if you're good, you're finding the best AAU team. And, you know, in order to be on the best AAU team, you have to be able to score the ball. Defense doesn't matter. I don't need to tell you this. And then, you know, the AAU teams that have the best relationship with Adidas or with Nike or with Under Armour that are in this, you know, in these, um, um, you know, these gauntlet events and, and, and these national um, schedules, then they go to the best events for exposure, which is then televised or, you know, attracts the best coaches. And if you win, then that's how you become the best. So they, they don't worry about development. You just win. It's just a crazy development that's just so different that I think, you know, is, is then going into college. So now these coaches are like, okay, well, I need to win. And winning is necessary. So I'm going to go get the best player uh, on the best AAU team that's going to go dunk it on someone's face. And we're going to score. And you're going to win, and it's less about development. So then these kids that are one and done get to the NBA, and you know, of course, there are outliers who can come in and dominate. Um, but some of these kids aren't, aren't. Not only are they not ready basketball wise, but they're they're you know, 19 years old, 20 years old, and they can't even drink legally. And like you know, are they mature enough to be an NBA player? Like that is a that's a big t- like two years ago they were in high school. That is a big time jump. Yeah, it's a big time you know, jump. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I I think um you know, especially if you were good at a very young age, you you know, you get coddled. So like if you're like a really good yeah, if you're a really good 12-year-old, like really good. I mean, you know, and it's disgusting that we I can say this sentence out loud, but like if you're like a ranked 12-year-old and then you make it all the way and you, and you go to Kansas or whatever, um you know, you don't really have to do anything for yourself at all. Like you're, there's always going to be yeah. someone willing to do whatever you need, whether that's any, as something as small as your laundry to mailing a letter to, I mean, I've had stories, guys that I've coached didn't know how to mail a letter, didn't know how to address it. Yeah. And, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it, it is. It's sad. It's sad. And that's, that, that comes to the whole like life coaching thing. Like you, you, these guys need to make sure everyone needs to make sure like you're, you're surrounded by people that have your best interest at play and like you want to okay. surround yourself with people that are going to hold you accountable because you're right I mean you know th- there are definitely some programs um, that are better than others like obviously like a you know you just think of like a Duke and you're like well, I mean Coach K is a legend so like he has he makes sure that these, these guys are going to be you know great human beings in addition to being great basketball players even if they are one and done type people you know he's going to make sure he surrounds them with people that are going to guide them in life. I think that's huge because you, you talk about the things like not being able to write a check or like not being, not knowing how to do, you know, laundry or, or whatever. I mean, this is huge for me and the whole international thing with where my niche is right now, because, um, the, the, the market's oversaturated. So you can turn anywhere and you can see a talented player, especially from the United States. Mm-hmm. So then when you start to crunch the numbers of like, okay, 
you know, we all watched March Madness and we all watched Division One. And let's just say we're watching the round of 32 and or, or, or take, for example, the top 25 teams in the country. Let's say let's say that. Right. So there's 60 spots in the draft. If you average out the past couple of years, half of those spots are from international about uh, 10 of those other, you know, 10 of those final spots are guys end up in the G League or drafting staff and playing overseas. So now we're talking like like 25 spots. Right. Are you the best player on on, on your team on the top 25 ranked teams? And that just kind of puts it into perspective, like, wow, there are so many good basketball players that are going to be able to play at the next level. So these other things matter. Like, are you going to be a good teammate? Like, do you, are, are we going to have to worry about you going out into the city center of Istanbul and doing something ridiculously against the law? Like, do we have to worry about that? You know, are you going to be coachable? Are you going to complain, you know, your first year in the third, in second division of Spain that, you know, your gym is equivalent of your middle school gym? Like, yeah. that's just what it is, you know? So you go from a, from a high major program or even a low major program that you're coddled and you get free food and you get people to do your homework or whatever it may be to, um, you know, you go to, 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 I don't know, Lithuania or Hungary and you're like, wow, this is different. Well, it is, you know, it is. So there's just, there's so much to it, man. It's, it's so much bigger than basketball. I mean, there's talent everywhere in this world. So you have to differentiate, differentiate yourself these days. No, hundred percent. And obviously, um, to wrap things kind of up, you, you mentioned uh, there's now March Madness going on. We've already said our brackets are toast, and, and we is uh, <laughs> not gone. Other than Paul's Blue Devils still being in it, it's not been the most ideal tournament. Obviously, um, you know, you've been watching. How do you think everything's gone? How is your bracket looking, and what are you most looking forward to uh, the next, uh, next two weekends with the remainder of the tournament? Started off by saying my bracket's always absolutely miserable. Um, I was telling I was telling Paul before I'm like I probably get I don't know at least ten texts a year like Hey man like you know what's your bracket looking like and I always respond the same. I will snapshot a picture of my bracket, send it to them, and then just say proceed with caution because I I always take a quick ten minutes and I just know, you know think of a player that I know and think of how they play and I just go. So for example, I had Arizona winning the entire thing. Well, that was clearly gone and you know the first couple of days yep. um you know and and i don't know it's it's always fun i mean what being able to see you know a umbc um finally 16 seed beat a one seed is amazing i mm. love that you know i i'm looking forward to the rest of the games i think at this point you know a couple teams can win i think duke duke obviously um might be a favorite uh if you had to ask me now and to redo a bracket i would probably have them winning um i would love to see um you know like a loyola chicago um type team um making the final four one day but yeah it's fun man it's always fun i always root for the underdogs um that's just the way i usually fill out the bracket but we'll, we'll see how it goes this weekend well, you know, I'm, I'll be rooting for my Dukies. They're still in it. So, I, know, uh, I know you will. I know. And I also had I, – I, you know what? I, I did two or three brackets. I had Duke in one of them. I always do one where they win no matter what. But my real bracket, the green light pod bracket, had Arizona as well. So not great. Not a great look for and me. And I felt great going into Virginia's matchup. And then, uh, that got <laughs> you were confident head, headed so into UMBC. I was like, as oh, you, Paul's as you out. We're done. Let's coast, this. Let's co- let's coast to it. But oh, my didn't God. work yeah. out. Paul, Paul, you're one of those guys that puts four brackets into the – uh, into the same pool, aren't you? I actually do four different pools, so it's all it's all okay, it's all okay, different. Fair enough. Respect, you know? respect, respect. You know, my little, number it, one pet peeve. That's my my number one pet peeve <laughs> in the entire world. Is, no, is more doing more than one bracket. 
In well, general? In general. Like, Damn, man. I'm sorry. I didn't bring I just, it up on the last podcast. I just brought podcast, up his number one pet peeve. Kevin, I, I already like you from uh, <laughs> from the one bracket, the sheet of integrity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't say I've always done that, but the last couple of years, it, it's been, it's been, you know, it's not going to be right, and I'm just going to do one and see yeah. how it goes. Yep. All right, man. Well, Kevin, listen, man, I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Uh, for everybody listening, make sure to go follow Kevin on Twitter at Kev Tarka, T-A-R-C-A, and on Instagram at Kevin Tarka. Uh, my man, this was great. We will catch up again here soon, and uh, stay warm out there, man. It's brutal. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. See you, man. Big shout-out to Kevin for coming on, man. That was awesome. Uh, We wish you the best of luck in that crazy, crazy world that is uh, being a sport agent. Um, The next time you talk to us, Duke will be in the Elite Eight. Um, Elite Eight? In the Final Final Four, Four, sorry. They will be in the Final Four. Give your Final Four prediction of the teams left. Uh, Uh, Nova, Duke, Michigan. Oh, God. Yeah, no one. none of my... um, Let's go... Kentucky's too easy. Fine, Kentucky. That's yeah. too easy. That's my idea. I would. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Um, Duke. Yeah. Kansas. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Kansas snuck out of the Midwest. I but, would. Uh, but yeah. You would. But I think Nova. Um, I, I'll root for West Virginia. But I think that makes a lot of sense. But you never know. Like Gonzaga is also. Yeah, they could do it. They'd be cool. And Gonzaga showed out last year's conference. They actually had a lot of fans there. So. Um, We will be back with you guys next week before the Final Four. Until then, keep the ball bouncing. Deuces. Lately I've been feeling like this what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.